This is Life Change Church, Muskegon. What are you doing while you listen? Driving, mowing the lawn, folding the laundry, multitasking? We're so glad you're here. Subscribe and share this weekly podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, on iTunes, or at mylifechangechurch.tv. Join us in person Sunday mornings at 9.30 or 11.30, or catch us on Facebook Live. Here's Pastor Ron Rands. Genesis chapter 26, we've referenced this a few weeks ago. If you were here and if you weren't, you can catch up with us today. We talked about Isaac. You know what, Isaac doesn't get a lot of uh, press time in the Bible. It's kind of odd because we, we, he's right sandwiched in between Abraham and Jacob. And so when you, you look, and a lot of times, let's just face it, a lot of times we give people attention according to press time. And so the more chapters, the more you, we see, the more, you know, the more we get out of it, and the more we, we really refer to that person. And you know, you know that there was a, um, uh, there's been so much uh, pressure, honestly, from platform uh, churches today, platform ministries, to, to come up with something unique and special or, or, or something that no one's ever heard before. Because it seems like we're a people that just are not content with just truth. That we are always looking for something that's just more than what we've ever had. And, and I wanted to share with you that that is not what, you know, the, the more that we get is from what God puts inside of our hearts, not from something that goes on in our heads. The truth alone should literally say, God, you put truth in my inward parts that I may not sin against thee. So the, the power of God to not sin, the power of God to become everything God wants us to be is truth that comes through us and we receive. And in, that, in the midst of receiving that, God blasts it and brings it out in ways we can't even imagine. And so today, as we talk about Isaac, just a few, literally just a few verses given to him, but we find that we find a truth in there. And it's because Isaac was a man that was blessed to a point of hundredfold harvest. So that would mean that if you would put $1,000 in the bank, that it would come out in just a few years' time, 100000 How many of you would put $1,000 in savings right away? I'd be the first one lined up. I'd go, I'd be helping you with your savings, you know? And so the thing is, is that we, we look at that and go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we just kind of go on and on. Well, why did God do that? What was going on? And then we find out that Isaac was a man that was digging wells. And that's why we even came up with this passage and this, this whole message series a couple weeks ago about digging wells. Well, today, um, I'm not going to really reference the, so much the digging because I've already spent a couple weeks on it. Please check it out online if you haven't, you haven't been with us for the last couple weeks. But what's so important is this. Is we've, we've captured the idea that, first of all, God wants us to dig the well. He's the living water. God wants us to dig, and he's the living water. That we're not supposed to quit. We'll talk about that a little bit today, Ken, um, in, in not quitting. Because what happens a lot of times in our, our way, we, would, we just want people to be happy for us. I mean, you know, we just want, you know, people just to, you know, whether it's Christians or the world, we want people just get in line and just, you know, uh, kind of what we're doing with you guys uh, today. And we want, we want, we're happy, we're, we love you guys. We're proud of you. But in reality of it, that's not what happens a lot of times. In fact, from the very beginning, there's always been this nasty spirit that not only births sin, but then knows how to come at it from the other angle, the other ditch, it's called jealousy. 
If I were to tell you and say, well, pastor, what has been the, the strongest um, advocate or, I'm sorry, the strongest weapon the enemy's had for your walk? And I would say jealousy. Not me jealous of others, because I'm not. Well, I guess I've had moments where I've been jealous of other people in, in, in churches and shepherds. If I would be honest, there's times where that voice would rise up inside me, go, why did they get the break? You know, I've got more years. Or why did that, you know, why is it that church has really grown and ours is really struggling? Or why is it that, I mean, I've, I've had those voices and I've had, a, the Bible says, capture those thoughts, make them obedient to Jesus. But I've had many, so many times where I've wanted to celebrate where God was doing something great in my life, whether it was where he really helped me in a place to live or, or, or whether it was my, my marriage or whether it was you know, having three adoptive kids and seven kids. But what I've really found out is that jealousy has just always, always been chasing me down and trying to unwind and trying to undo things. And then you look in the Bible and it's, just, it's, it's right there. I mean, honestly, the first two people on planet Earth after Adam and Eve is Cain and Abel. And Cain is jealous of Abel because of Abel's relationship with God. And instead of trying to work it out with Abel and say, hey, what are you doing different? You know, can we kind of work this thing out? I, I, I really love what you have with God and I'm struggling. My, my relationship with God is just on the struggle bus right now. Instead he goes, um, my relationship with God is gonna be better because I kill you. I mean, it's the only guy to talk to about it. I mean, what are you doing? I mean, it's not like you have anybody else to really converse about your situation. You just took the, other, the only person that was listening to you out of the picture. And that's really what we're talking about. That's what gossip does. We're going to be talking about that in just a few more minutes. And jealousy, minute Nehemiah. God has a word that Nehemiah has, and he's struggling with it. Am I the guy and I'm really nervous about coming into the, you know, into the, the king or Nebuchadnezzar's uh, presence. And, and you know, I feel this, this anointing. I feel this calling to do something that's out of the nor norm. And I don't, I don't even know if I'm trained to do it. I'm a wine tester. And, and, and God's moving upon my heart to go back to my homeland and, and really begin to do this, this work. And am I really that guy? And he's in his, it is so weighed down to him, he doesn't even have any joy in his presence. And the wine tester, if there's one thing you're supposed to have, is joy in the presence of the king. By the way, that kind of should tell us a lot about being in God's presence. We should always have joy in the presence of our king. But anyway, what happens is, is that you know, he's weighted down in Nehemiah, and then there's no sooner does he get into his place of God's plan. And you think that, you know, he starts working and God's blessing him and things are happening. The, the walls are being rebuilt. I mean, on a, on a, on a, a, a way that's impossible. Man couldn't accomplish this much. But God is doing it through his leadership. And so you think you turn around and go, people are going to be happy. And then the enemy sends these two guys, which know hardly anything about, Sam Ballot, Tobiah, and all they do is spend, because of their jealousy, try to undo everything that Nehemiah is doing, or Paul. I mean, all you gotta do is read the book of Acts and there's always somebody chasing Paul down. Paul starts a church, these people chase him down and try to undo everything he's doing. Jealousy. Jealousy is an activity of the enemy. And you know, there's a, I wanna teach you how to get rid of it 
Because it is a work of the flesh and it is always in all of us. Some of us get jealous of another person's marriage. Some of us get jealous of another person's house or, or some, what, they, what they, uh, kind of job they have or promotion that they get or how their children are acting or react. I mean, we're, the jealousy is just a very, very threaded activity in our life. And it's in the church, just like it's outside of the church. And so as we um, get into this passage today, I want you to, first of all, don't be pointing at somebody else. Don't be aiming and going, you know, doing one of these elbow things to somebody else. Just literally get a reflection and realize that this is, a, this is in every one of our lives. It's the fallen man, the fallen woman, and this, this space will literally go, God, I want to renounce that in my life. I want to announce Jesus, and I want to renounce the enemy's space. I really believe that God is going to have a breakthrough in this service in our lives. I believe that many of us have never got to the space where God wants to bring us because we're jealous of what somebody else has. God showed this to me a long time ago. He says, whatever you're jealous of is that's the lid I can bring in your life. You created that lid because of jealousy. Jealousy is the lid. So if you're jealous of somebody driving a BMW, you're never going to have a BMW. If you're jealous of somebody's promotion in your workplace, you're jealous, well, and then you start talking about how they got there and, and maybe they cheated their way. It doesn't matter how they got there. It matters that you listen to the spirit of jealousy and now you've litted your life because of the voice of the enemy in your walk. And see, yeah, certainly Satan will bring events and activities around you to confuse, confound you. That's what his job is. And so many people will happen and, and they're going, why isn't it, why, why isn't it? It's because you're putting a lid there. And jealousy is the activity of the enemy to create lids in our life. And you realize that God never wants a lid? He says, look, look under your salvation. Look up. There's no lid when you're looking up. It's all possible. But what happens is, is the enemy creates all these lids in between you and God. That's what he does. And he's very good at it. Genesis 26, 12 through 25, then Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. The Lord blessed him. The man began to prosper, continued prospering until he became very prosperous. And for he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and great numbers of servants. So the Philistines envied him. Here comes that jealousy. Now the Philistines had stopped up all the wells which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham his father, and they had filled them with earth. And Abimelech said to Isaac, go away from us, for you are much mightier than we. Then I, what, God, what he should have done is says, I would like to know the God that's bringing this in your life. Then Isaac departed from there pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. And Isaac dug again the wells of water which had dug in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. He called them by the names which his father had called them. Also Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found a well of running water. But the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, the water's ours. So he called that name of the well Asak, because they quarreled with him. And they dug another well, and they quarreled over that one. So he called his name Sitna, and he moved from there and dug another well, and they did not quarrel over it. Now remember from our studies 
that some of these wells could take up to a year to dig. So I know that you're, only re- you're reading from verse to verse, and you're thinking, well, it's not a big deal because you went over there and, you, you, you went over there and had to win drilling, dig a, dig a well for you to take a day. Now, that's not what we're talking about. These wells would take up to a year to dig. And then he drilled, dug another well. He called his name Rehoboth because he said, for now the Lord has made room for us and we shall be fruitful in the land. Then he went up from there to Bathsheba and the Lord appeared to him by the same night and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not fear for I am with you. I will bless you. Multiply your descendants for my servants Abraham's sake. So he built an altar there and called on the name of the Lord and he pitched his tent there and there Isaac's servants dug a well. Father, I just pray that this message comes across with clarity. We realize that clarity and holiness, Lord, they're, they're one and the same. And we pray that your holiness and your clarity just get inside of our hearts. God, that it would dig inside the well of understanding. And that, Lord, that we would recognize there's things that have happened to us, things that are wrongful, sinful, hurtful, things that have just kind of buried over our hearts. Dig, oh God, that's who you are. Into that, Lord, into our, our wells of our lives and that we might live that free space with you, that we could see you for all you are and begin to make the steps that you have already fashioned for us. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said. Number one, if you're taking notes, and hopefully you are, if you stay the course of God, you will reap God-sized blessings. If you stay the course of God, you will reap God-sized blessing. Now, again, if you're looking in the Word of God and you're talking about the, the course of life, we're, we're not talking about something, because sometimes we'll even think, well, man, I, I don't know if I'd ever want to be a doctor. And the first thing you say isn't because of their wages, it's because of the 9, 10, 11 years of education it takes to get there. So the struggle bus isn't so much, you know, the gore or the blood or whatever about being a doctor. Is right away you're going, I don't want to spend that many years in school. Yeah, that's really what, so it's the same thing here. A lot of times we don't want to stay in the course of school with God to reap it. And so we're, we're almost at the precipice of getting, you know, getting in that place where God says, I'm going to bring it in your marriage. You're getting in that space. You're studying it. You're, you're going to reap what you sow. But what happens, you get in that space and what, we get into the war. We get into the fight. And instead of reaping everything that we could sow in it, we get weary in well-doing. Two, with God's blessings comes life's adversity. With God's blessings comes life's adversity. We'd all like to think that God's just going to make the rainbow in our lives and things are just going to be smooth sailing and that, you know, if God is in this, it's just going to get better. It's just going to get better. And it's just going to be, and God's going to take care of all my foes and all my enemies and he's just going to wipe away all the nonsense. That is not what the Bible teaches us. That is not what God's truth teaches us. It teaches us that we need to overcome. Well, we don't need to overcome God. We need to overcome the enemy that's trying to get in the way of us and God and his hands. A blessing. Amen? And that's what happens. And so when this adversity comes, many of us succumb to it. Many of us get involved with the same nonsense and start fighting back with our words and our actions and our thoughts. And, the, and you know what? And I'll just tell you something. I'll give you a little bit of uh, just this weekend God was showing me. He goes, Ron, he says, peace 
I leave pieces of what I want in your life so much. He goes, this is what happens. He says, I want people to see in your life an image of me. And all Satan does is goes like this, takes his finger, go boom into that water and brings troubled waters. And so the image of God is distorted. That's what the enemy does. He wants to bring this adversity in your life to distort who God is. Yes, God lives inside of you, but all he's got to do is bring all these transactions of nonsense in your life and distort who God is in your life because of what you say, because of how you react, because of what you, what's, what's, what, how you don't react. With God's blessing comes life's adversities. We find right away, here's, here's Isaac. He says, I'm God's, I'm God's kid. I'm, things are going to go well. I mean, my, my, father, my father's Abraham. I mean, be honest with you, if you're the son of Abraham, how could it get... It can't get much better, right? I mean, Abraham was, the, I mean, he's just the man of the hour. He's one of the wealthiest people. He's, he's, I mean, he's winning battles with, you know, with, with that are unwinnable. He's prospering. God's bringing him a, a sojourning thing. And it just seems that there's a fear of God wherever he goes. And his son, his, he, he, was, he watched what God did. And literally God says, God gave him a new one. God is the provider. Prov you know, and his dad was going to sacrifice him. He watched this moment. God spoke. Isaac heard it. That's the same God speaking to Isaac. And so you would just think that, well, okay, it's going to be smooth sailing from here on in. And that's not what happens at all. All of a sudden there's adversity. He's digging these wells. He's even digging his dad's wells and they're burying them again. He's digging and they're burying. Because of what? What are we teaching on today? Because of jealousy. Jealousy. Because of jealousy that's going on in Isaac's life. Why can't somebody just be happy for me? I can hear Isaac saying, I can feel it. Why can't just somebody just, you know, get in my, you know, get in my cheerleading space in life and go, man, life's been hard enough. I mean, my own dad almost tried to take my life seriously. I didn't get here by, you know, this wasn't an easy, an easy path to get here. Why can't somebody just root me on? Another well dug, another well dug, another well dug. And then finally, he doesn't quit. I can't tell you enough how important it is to stay the course. My, my pastor and my mentor told me this. He says, outlast your critics. And you will always have critics. Outlast them. Number three, people will be jealous of your blessings in God. Cain was jealous of his brother Abel's. Rachel was jealous of, his sister, of her sister's ability to bear children. Sanballat and Tobiah already talked to Joseph's brothers. The Bible is full. Story, history lesson after history lesson of jealousy over jealousy going on and on. And many of these were people of God. So don't think, well, that's really bad. Many of them are people of God. Jealous. Peter's jealous of what God's going to do. In John. Read the Gospel of John. And, and Peter's almost you know, going, well, what are you going to do with this guy? And God, Jesus is going, what are you, what's it to you? But Peter was jealous. You know what he was doing inside? He's going, well, I, I put my foot in my mouth more than anybody. You know, I should be able to get one. I've had to take it out more than anybody. I, I, I mean, I'm the first guy to go over there, and I jumped out. I mean, Jesus, I was the first guy that got out of the boat. In fact, I was the only guy that got out of the boat. What are you going to do with that guy? He didn't even get He stayed in the boat. He was hugging the, he was hugging the boat. And you can hear him saying it because the voice of the enemy is always there. You know what's, what I, I love about God's word in this? It goes, God's voice is still and quiet. 
And Satan's is not. It's loud and obnoxious. And you know what's funny? No, this isn't funny. Sometimes when we are disciplining our children, we create the loud and obnoxious listening instead of the still and quiet moment. We let the kids get away with it, let the kids get away with it, and they go, stop! And then all of a sudden they listen. What are we creating? We're creating an ear for them to only obey with the loud and obnoxious. You need to create that space of peace. If your kids or your spouse or whatever, if it's all crazy, I get it. That's what's inside of them. Create that space and go, look, get in your room or, you know, we're going to deal with this right now, but this is, you're not going to get me into that space where I am, I, this is where my sin comes out. This is about your sin and it's not going to create my sin in my own life. Number four, jealousy is an insecure reaction to prosperity. I've had people uh, come to me many different times. They go, Pastor, you believe in the prosperity message? Um, let, me, let me give you a funny story about that. In fact, the, the story is uh, about the pastor that was going to start this church many years ago before I even um, was called to it. Great man of God, Pastor John Prominsky. Anyway, we were uh, going to go look at uh, youth buses. Actually, uh, we were, the church was thinking about buying some buses uh, for children and youth ministry. I was the children's pastor, family pastor at the time. He was the youth pastor. And so we went to Grand Rapids and we were just kind of looking at some vehicles and we got on the conversation and I don't even know how, but I think he started, he goes, he says, uh, you know, that prosperity stuff. And now again, this is, you got to talk about, this is like 23 years ago. You know that prosperity message stuff? He's talking about, I just think it's a bunch of crock. And, you know, just a whole bunch of people wanting more for themselves. And I just listen. I said, well, that's because you, I said, that's because you don't have any faith in that area. He looked at me, he goes, what do you mean? I said, you don't hear God's voice in that area of your life. I said, I can show you scripture. I'm right here, Isaac 26. We're here, we're talking about Isaac. And God wanted to prosper his life. I can show you passage after passage after passage that God wants to prosper our lives. And we'll get to that in just a minute. He goes, and, and God has done that in my life. I said, but, and I go, you know what my problem is? And now, and this has been a, it was a really good teachable moment. I go, my problem is, is that, man, we go to a deacon meeting, an elder meeting, and you got like 25 in your youth department, maybe 30, and everybody's listening to you, and everybody loves you. And, and, I, and they, they all give me a, hard, a whole bunch of hassle, cause I, and I ask them for, you know, I'll ask them for more budget in children's ministry. And I got, I, I got 100, 120 people serving, and you got five. And he goes, that's because you don't have any, say it. And I looked at him, you're right, I don't. I would go into that deacon and elder meeting thinking I was going to get hassled, and that's exactly what I got. Some of you in this room right now, you have more faith for you to have a fight in your marriage than, you have a, than you're going to have hope and love. You create the hot mess in the spirit realm because you have lived off the events of past and not living off the events of future. My God is a God of the future. 
Your past, he's already dealt with. He's forgiven it. And by the way, if you want to talk about your righteousness of your past, not going to be a good moment for you. <laughs> he could, all right? So what happened is I had all this, literally, I had faith. I call it false faith into that meeting. I said, well, I'm changing that. I got in my prayer closet and I began to pray. I said, God, I am sorry. Listen to me. I said, I am sorry for believing the bad to come when I haven't even been in that meeting yet. That's my fault. I created this environment. Some of you have done that in your marriage. Some of you got, I hope you're listening right now. Some of you created, you go, well, pastor, you don't know what's going on and he, what he did and what he said and what he didn't do and everything else. I believe that's in your, say it with me. Okay, but what you need to do is grab a hold of what God has for your future. And what's happening is, is Satan has sat there and beat you and beat you and beat you with your past. I get it. That's what he's got to work with. But what you need to do is receive, receive, receive what God has for your future. And all of a sudden, the next thing you know, you start believing and hoping for things that have never happened. Isn't that what the Bible says that faith is? Faith is a substance of things Hope for things that have never existed yet. That's what faith is. And so what Satan tries to do is creates all these moments of jealousy, frustrations, events in your life so that you don't have a hope and a future and what a belief for your tomorrows. So what he does. He troubles the water that you're in. Number four, jealousy is an insecure reaction to prosperity. I want to talk to you about recently, this happened um, just this last week. And so if you've been ears to this, or I'm listening, if you're watching this right now, ears to this, I want to bring out the truth. There has been a uh, rumor that I was going to quit the church and hire another pastor. Hired, and I was going to quit the church. That is a lie. And I'll speak it right now. It's a lie. And the truth is is that I had asked this particular, one particular person that, that is a younger person, I said, if they would like to come on as an assistant and come into this house and work underneath this church for a season, and then we see what God had. But it was never implied that I wanted to quit. And the, lot, the rumor is, is that Ron just wants out. They're literally saying, Pastor Ron wants out. That is a lie. And so I'm here to share with you guys, if you get, you can, you can call it, what is it? A lie. I am a pastor that wants successors because I care about the next generation. And if anybody's ever heard anything I've been saying, it, I've been saying it for about 10 years. Next generation. That's why we pour the money. That's why we got a bus because we care about the next generation generation. I am a broken record of it. And if somebody wants to twist the words that I say over that, well, then they're going to have to answer to Jesus for that. But I say things imperfectly, and you can, things can be misconstrued about it. I'm sorry if that happens. God was a perfect messenger, and Satan twisted his perfection. So I'm underneath, I, believe me, I'm going to make way more mistakes than God. And so yet even when God, who doesn't make mistakes, bad things happen. So if you hear that rumor, you put it to rest really quick. Let me give you some passages that I'm talking about because I don't want to spend a lot of time on this. Leviticus chapter 19, 6 this, says this. Do not do anything that endangers your neighbor's life. 
I am the Lord. Do nothing that endangers someone else's life. I am the Lord. Proverbs 6, 16 through 19 says, there are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. Number five, learn who you can share your blessings with. Learn who you can share your blessings with. Sometimes because you're ignorant like I am many different times, and make the mistake that you just want people to be happy for you, you know what, because honestly the greatest ingredient in life that we always have is encouragement. The greatest ingredient we can have for all their, their marriage and, and so is encouragement. A child, encouragement. A marriage, encouragement. A pastor, encouragement. A new employee, encouragement. A new boss, encouragement. And jealousy is the exact opposite of it. And so what happens is, is that we make the mistake of sharing things that God's doing in our life. You know, you should know this, that God wants to do big things in your life. And you know, what, what really hits me is um, recently is I always wonder why is it that when um, we have testimonies and people get healed or, or marriages get restored or, or, or you know, something miraculous happens in a testimony, it's like the quietest thing everybody gets around. And God showed me, he goes, people are afraid of jealousy. They're more afraid of the jealous spirit lashing out at them than the Holy Spirit empowering them. And so when something great happens, we just, like, well, we get really kind of quiet because we've been beat up by the spirit of jealousy. We've had jealousy in our schools. We've been beat up in our classmates. We've had jealousy in our workplace. We've had jealousy in, we've had jealousy in, our, in our whole system. I mean, you look at our, our, basically our political system. It's one party against the other, and all it is is because of who, it's jealousy, working one party against another one. It's our whole system of nonsense. So here's some wisdom for you. This will help you. This has helped me in my path. Who do I share the great things that God is doing through my life? Who do I talk with? When I share something, do they get quiet? If somebody, when I share something, hey, you know what? Um, I just got this, you know, this, God just blessed me with this, this cool car. Do they just kind of get real quiet? That'll be the last time I share cool things with them. Because they're, what are they acting like? They're acting jealous. How come I didn't get a car like that? How'd you get that? What happened to you? What, what's different about your life? Instead of just going, sweet ride. You go, can I ride in it? Can I drive it? I mean, that'd be my first thing. You know, it might not be smart to put me behind the wheel. But anyway, just, I mean, just, I would just go, wow. Wow. Do they celebrate superficially? That's great. <laughs> That's cool. You know what I mean? Is that you can tell it's really working. It's that you can tell someone's struggling with the voice of jealousy inside here's what I really love about it 
but do they celebrate by longing to dig deeper? Man, how did God bring that in your life? That is so awesome. That, I mean, tell me more about it. Was, I mean, did, did, did you have a dream about it? Did God give you a scripture about it? Tell me something more, because I honestly just want to take the time. I want to testify how good God is in your life. Now, that's the person that I'm looking for. And I want to train you guys to begin to start doing that, because God wants to bring blessing, because the Bible says we're blessed to be a and what the enemy does, what he brings is all of this jealousy because we begin, we begin to look inwardly and go, why isn't that happening in my life? Because you're, you put the lid. The reason it's not going on in your life is because you are struggling with a jealous spirit and you don't even know it. I mean, what's the number one tactic the enemy has? Is he's stealthy. You don't even know it's there. Last of all, number six, living wells will bring his presence so you can live more abundantly. Let me just give you some passages about this. Psalms 35, 27. Let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause and let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. How many of you want to bring pleasure to God? God has pleasure in the prosperity of his children. Psalms 35, 11. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give peace, grace and glory. No good thing will be withhold from those who walk uprightly. Psalms 115, 14. May the Lord give you increase more and more, and you and your children. John 10, 10. Thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it even more abundantly. Deuteronomy 8.18, and you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is to this day. And then you know we say, well, pastor, what about those people that are martyred? What kind of prosperity is that? You know, even in that, even in the space of martyrdom, God promises a better resurrection. That's how much God is about prosperity, no matter what. Even if you're in the space of dying for the cause of Christ, God goes, I'm going to still prosper you in the next life. God wants, you know why he wants to prosper your life? Because God wants to be seen through your life. God wants you to brag about God. So if I can give you, and I want to close on this, would you start bragging about God Will you start bragging about who he is in your life and through your life, that he is the one that wants to bring so much through you, whether it's a relationship, whether it's a friendship, whether it's restoration, whether it's redemption, whether it's hope, whether it's healing, whatever it is, God wants to be. He says, I love what he says, Moses. Well, who do you want me to say that you are? He says, tell them I am. Whatever they need in that moment, I am that. I am that. And so they're going, well, I need this. And they're going, I am that. I need that. I am that. That's what God's house should be so full of. We should be the people that are bouncing up and down and all around. And so when people go, they're a bunch of holy rollers. Well, yeah, of course we are. Because we're just all excited about what God is doing every single day of our lives. And what's happening is Satan comes into space and tries to create jealousy, if he could, in the house of God and keeps us quiet and silent 
And I love what Romans 10 says. How are people going to know unless somebody's sent? And how is, you know what, if they're sent, what are they going to say? Well, they're going to say this. God is good all the time. And if Satan, through the spirit of jealousy, can shut our mouths, what hope is there for the next generation? There is none. There is none. I don't know who sent me a message, but um, it was about C.S. Lewis. And C.S. Lewis, and again, I'm getting, I don't know how many years that is. I don't know if it's 60, 100. I'm not, I'm not a historian. But he sent a message, and what it really was is, is a point, and you could have put COVID on it. And all it was about, it says that, he says what God was, what the enemy was going to do is create distance from communication, distancing each other from communicating. And we're not just distance the six foot thing, we're more distance spiritually. When is it the last time you're around and people were even bragging about God? Do you know what that was, the book of Acts? That's every chapter was about something that whether it was something they had to overcome or something that they were arguing through that they had to overcome, or some miracle that was going on, some life that was changing. And that's why God called this church Life Change Church, so that we would boast. And that Paul, I says, if I'm going to boast, I'm going to boast in one thing. I'm going to boast in God. So in this worship set, I don't know where you're at, I pray that God reflects lids in your life. I really do. We all have them. We all have lids. Well, I don't know if God will ever do that in my life. Lid. Lid. Or why is it God doing something in their life and not my lid? Or, you know, it just seems like, you know, that the past is just, you know, just really lid. What if your thought just for a moment became his thought and his thought became your thought you know it wasn't by mistake he says God says my thoughts are higher than yours what does that mean they're higher than your thought of yourself they're higher than your thought of what God wants to do through your life are you going to be the person that keeps walking around with lids because you refuse to agree with God about who you are Amos 3.3 says this, how can two walk together lest they agree? How can God walk with you when you're so much in disagreement with what he thinks about you and your future? God says, would you please renew your mind with how I see you and let it lay aside every weight and sin, every lid that's ensnaring you. Father, I thank you for revealing and constant revealing those in my life. Father, they're still there. But Lord, like Jacob's ladder, I'm so grateful, Lord, that you keep getting me to step up. And Lord, I, Lord, there it is. New step, new level, new devil to get taken down. New space for your glory. New space for who you are through our life. Lord, I pray for those that are in this congregation right now, those that are watching, 
Come in the living room. Come in the car. Come in this space. Come in this space, Lord Jesus, by your Holy Spirit. God, I pray that things be broken off. These lids be broken off. Ones that others, Lord, put on us, made us fearful of taking those steps with you. And every time it seems like we take a step toward you, bad things happen. Of course that's going to happen. Satan is right there to attack it. But God, blessed is he and she that overcomes. To stay the course in the presence of who you are. For you, God, forgive us, God, for ever making it about us. God, forgive me for making it about me and the, the, the arrows that come at me and, and I want to stop or whatever the course of, of, of just saying it's enough and I'm tired. But God, you said that if we're weary and well-doing, God, that we would grab you in the space of your presence. Loosen us from the nonsense. If you're here this morning, I believe the Spirit of God is in this house. I know He is. And He's knocking on hearts. Just like the two guys in the road to Emmaus, He's knocking on your heart. He's burning His plan in your heart, in your life today. In the space of this worship time, find your place kneeling, raising your hands, coming to the altar, whatever it is. But yield yourself today in this moment to say, God, I'm leaving those things behind and I'm moving into your future and your hope. I'm going to boast in you, God. I'm going to reach that space that you have for my life, God. Because, Lord, I see you reaching out, and I'm going to grab your hand and take me to new places I've never been before. Because that's who you are, God. That's who you are. And, Lord, so that others might see, not me, but, God, they might see who you are in and through my life. Sorry, God. Forgive me for making it about me. In Jesus' name. All God's people said, let's stand up, let's worship our God, let's get free. If you liked this message, we want you to share it. Subscribe to more podcasts through mylifechangechurch.tv. Get involved, ask for prayer, share your story. Go to mylifechangechurch.tv. I'm Karma Adams, producer. We'll see you next week.